So a couple um, things we want to just mention, like we obviously didn't really need a big announcement time because you can guess that we're not doing a whole lot right now. Um, but what we are going to be doing is we're going to continue to support Kids Food Basket. And so we hope you'll recognize because we think child hunger is an issue that always matters and we want to be participants in that. So if you want to participate in Kids Food Basket, check out the Facebook page. Information is available there about what we're collecting. This week is fruit cups. You can bring those in the office between 9 to 3, Monday through Thursday. Someone's always here during those hours to make sure we can collect those. And then the week after this, we're collecting Ziploc bags, sandwich bags, and snack size. So you can make sure to bring those as well. And we want to continue to care for others. So with that, Marvelous Mondays has reached out, and our group of senior adults that usually meets, predominantly senior adults, they're canceling for the foreseeable future, and they will let you know when that takes place again. And then also want to mention, if you're like kind of confused by some of the music thing and you couldn't see everything quite how you want, um, we're figuring out some of this technology stuff. I promise next week will be even better than this week. And we'll also have a video posted later today that will be a little more full shot than what you've probably seen already. But I was thinking about this week, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 5 in just a few moments, the first 11 verses. But I was thinking about this week how, for me, um, there was a moment in time when I look back in history and I remember... I remember getting my head stuck in a cargo net. And that sounds like a weird thing to tell a story about, but I was getting my head, I was at this amusement park with my family, and we climbed up, and, and you've, some of you have heard me tell this story before, but we climbed up this, this net, and as I was stepping down, I did a backflip, and I like, have zero flexibility. Like, I can't even sit on the floor and play board games with my daughter because uh, it hurts too much. So, so I did this backflip unintentionally, got my head stuck upside down, and it's the middle of Tennessee in the middle of the summer, and I am sweating profusely. I mean, like, you know the kind of cold sweat you get, but you're just dripping everywhere? That was me. So much so that my uncle tried to kind of pull me out, and he couldn't because of the leverage of where he was and all those things. And so my dad got closer. My dad is a pretty big dude. It's like 6'4", 260 pounds, and he gets closer. And the closer he got, the tighter that net got. And my head felt like it was going to pop off until finally some guy who worked there after about 10 minutes came underneath and pushed my head out, and I was able to get free. So I walked out of the net and kind of stood there, and I was like 12 or 13 years old, and there's other like 12 or 13-year-old girls over here as well. And so I, I saw them, and I was like, well, I can't like end this with these 12 or 13-year-old girls looking at me like, wow, that guy got his head stuck, and he quit. And so I was like, well, I can't do that. So I went back into the cargo net, made it to the top, and came back down, and they were sitting on the bench still sweating profusely. And the girls came over and they said, oh, that was really brave. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> They're also 12 years old, right? Like, you get this. But I can also tell you about the time that the same summer I went to my first ever football camp. It's the only time I ever played football in my life. I always thought I'd love to play. And it, the first day was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was the Anthony Thompson All-American Football Camp. You can Google Anthony Thompson. He was runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. Played at Indiana University. Played in the NFL. And it was his camp. And in the first day, I was like, man, I am not coming back tomorrow. That was enough for me today. And then he got up and spoke. And my dad was waiting to pick us up and take us home. And, and he said something about how for the reality is some of you are going to quit today. And you're not going to come back. And when he said you're going to quit and you're not going to come back, I felt kind of convicted. Because I was like, that was me. And he said, but some of you need to learn some perseverance and build some character. And if that's you, you'll be here tomorrow. My dad said, I, I could tell you were quitting, and then I heard you hear him say that, and I knew you were coming back. 
And see, this is the reality for many of us. We don't like suffering. We don't like for things to be hard. We don't know what to do with that. We find ourselves lost and confused and uncomfortable. See, we don't know what to do when all of a sudden we think life should be easy. We think we should be involved in lots of things that are just easy to do. But what we begin to find over and over again is sometimes we work really hard and we still fail. Sometimes what we find is that that you work for something and you thought you'd get it and you don't. Sometimes you watch someone else's life and you see they get everything. It looks so easy for them, but your life is the opposite of that. In fact, so we think maybe it's just somewhere out there and we'll find it. And so we go to the next person, the next relationship. We look for something new. We buy the next thing. We think there'll be some new thing that we shouldn't ever have suffering, but we should only find pleasure. And so the reality for us is this, that we, we don't know what to do with that. So we quit our jobs in adversity. We leave our spouses and go find someone else or our girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever that looks like. We blame our coaches or our parents or whoever else. But what if, what if, what if the reality is this? What if through suffering we find the depth of who we could become? What if through suffering we could find the depth of who we could become? Because this really becomes for us the reality. What if somehow God can do a new thing in our lives and there's a depth that we've never gotten to, not because we're not capable, but because we've never persevered? In fact, there's a guy named Paul who wrote much of the New Testament, and Paul wrote the book of Romans, and we're going to look at that in just a few moments. But Paul, man, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was run out of town. If you name it, it pretty much happened to Paul, and eventually he was executed because he loved Jesus, and he wanted other people to know God's love too. But can you imagine living that way? And so Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 5. He says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Romans 5, 1 through 11. The word of the Lord. See, here's the reality for us. We find peace when we enter into the relationship with God. A peace that doesn't always make sense. We find that peace, grace, and hope are things that we inherit by virtue of being in right relationship with God. And I love these words of William Greathouse. He writes this. Romans 5, 1 through 11. is not about how we put we are put right with God. It's about the consequences of justification. When we are right with God, there are tangible consequences. Here Paul mentions three. Peace, 
grace, and hope. But these three gifts, described as abstract nouns, express concrete realities. See, here's the reality for us. If we enter into relationship with Jesus, if we recognize God's love for us poured out through his son, he says this, I want you to live in the middle of all circumstances with peace and grace and hope. And know that I'm present with you through all that you go through, and that's the reality of what he promises. But the hard part for us is that we recognize we like the justification that Jesus talks about, that we are in right relationship with God. But we often think it should be like the American dream, that it should be about health, wealth, and prosperity. And we know even culturally right now today, because of the coronavirus, we're not gathering as normal And your life has been disrupted. I don't care who you are or what you do. Your life has been a little bit disrupted by this reality. And we struggle with that because we've bought into an ideal that health, wealth, and prosperity are the goal of the gospel, the goal of Jesus. But that's not what we find throughout the scriptures. That's not what Paul promises. That's not what Jesus offered us. But he does say peace and grace and hope can be ours. Right? This is the idea that a peace surpasses our understanding, a joy that can be seen because of God's grace, and a hope that God is setting the world right in the middle of all that's going on here and now. And so what we begin to think about this way, one simple way to think about the way that God's love is seen in Jesus that offers us this, this justification, this right relationship with God. Let's say it this way. Jesus stands up in a world that seems to not have love for others says, you may not think they're worthy of love, but they are worthy of love. Or so differently, you may not think you are worthy of love, but you are worthy of love. Man, you know what it's like when someone stands up for you? So I look back, um, when I was in middle school through high school, there was a girl named Amanda Combs, and I, I've tried to find her for years, and so somehow if she sees this, I love to connect. She was a girl that was kind of overweight in high school, in middle school, and she got made fun of all the time. I mean, all the time. I watched her run out of rooms. I watched her threaten boys. And the truth is, she never should have experienced those things. One, kids should never treat each other like that. And so, like, bullying should never happen. But the flip side of it is, man, if I had had any courage... If I had any courage, if I could go back today, if there's one thing I could change about that season of my life, I would have stood up and said, man, stop talking about her. Do you not realize how awesome she is? She was smart. She was an intelligent person. She had lots to offer. And in fact, she, she often contributed great things in our classes, but most of us looked right past it because we were scared that if we befriended her, we would get made fun of too. And so we left her alone. But what what Jesus says and what Paul's trying to get us to understand here is don't you understand this is who God is. God stands up for those who can't stand up for themselves. And in fact, that's part of why we're not even gathering today because we recognize that our most vulnerable people are probably some of our most faithful. And so we want to say, hey, we love you so much that it doesn't even make sense at some level, but, but we care about our community and we want to do our best to help love others well in this season. And so this is what we begin to understand, that Paul is trying to get us to understand that we're called to stand with people in the margins. That's why we continue to care for kids through Kids Food Basket and other opportunities. That's why I was joking and serious. If you hoard in toilet paper and hand sanitizer, give some away. There's no reason for us not to help other people in this season. 
And so far, we're pretty good with what Paul writes, right? We get it. We like the idea that God stands in the gap for us. We like the idea that he loves us. We like the idea that if we'll just believe, he offers us peace and grace and hope. But we don't like what he says next. Paul writes that we're to glory in our suffering. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't really like much suffering. Suffering is not high on my list of things, right? Glory in our suffering. I mean, I, I often go back to, like, I remember high school basketball in the first freshman year that basketball conditioning was so hard. Your legs are kind of shaky and, like, you're seeing spots. I'm sure that's not, that's not good anyway, but, like, you're a little, not sure you're going to pass out or not. I mean, it was brutal. Like, that's the kind of suffering I often think of, but the truth is that's the kind of suffering that passes in a moment. There's all kinds of other suffering. See, I, I don't know why I've been thinking about high school a lot this week. Probably because one of our staff people here was telling a story about a kid reading their Bible. And they came across this passage. And it reminded me of an experience I had in life. See, when I was in high school, I, was, I don't know if I was a freshman or a sophomore. And my last name is Gregory, if you didn't know that. But, but one of the big deals was, like, there are certain things I didn't want to do because of who I wanted to become, and I wanted to follow through Jesus, and that's hard, and culture doesn't always value the same things he values. And so the thing that always gets questioned in locker rooms is in your masculinity, right? Who are you? What are you like? And so I gained a nickname that I didn't like that happened in a basketball locker room. And so rather than the last name Gregory, my nickname became Gaggery. And so I wrestled with this for probably about two years. By the time I was a junior or senior, it kind of quit. But for two years, I listened to upperclassmen, I listened to teammates, I listened to other people say that again and again and again. And you want to talk about suffering for a teenage boy who, who does like girls? That was a rough season for me, right? Even if I had a girlfriend, I would still take junk from others. And I know I wasn't alone in that. I know many of you, and that's not even that suffering, that's not that big a deal, to be honest with you, end of the day. But, but these kind of things leave us with scars, Suffering is not easy, but you know what I found in that time of suffering? I found my need for others. I found a need for friendship. My faith began to grow in deeper and greater ways. And so even though what wasn't good for me, what wasn't fun, what I didn't appreciate was a form of suffering that I learned some perseverance. And so the question for you and I today is this. What's your greatest suffering? What's the area of life in which you suffer the most? I know we joke about, I'm a big sports fan, that there's like no sports on television right now. It's a little bit of suffering, but really it's nothing. What it is making me do is reevaluate what is the greatest priority and value in my life. What about you? What are you reevaluating saying what really has worth? What really has a value? And so I was thinking about ways in which suffering leads to great things in our life. We could think about people who've been alcoholics. But have come out on the other side, there was suffering in that middle ground, people who become incredible musicians or athletes or actors or students or on and on the list goes. And there's often this suffering, this difficulty we have to get through. So it's why Paul writes this, that suffering produces perseverance. Suffering produces perseverance. And so William Barclay helps us understand like, this Greek word, this idea, this the the suffering he's talking about is this idea that things are just kind of smashed in together, just compounded together, and through that produces fortitude. So when you feel like everything is enveloping you, maybe anxiety is high, but when stuff is enveloping you, he offers this idea that we can know what perseverance looks like. And so Paul's wanting us to know that we can go deeper, we can be greater, we can find more than we've ever known. In fact, N.T. Wright writes these words. He says, we live in a world that wants everything immediately. 
that has no stability of character except a hollow media image that wanders this way and that because it has no idea where it might be going. The gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, calls us to swim against the tide on all counts. So what if actually in suffering we learn perseverance? What's perseverance look like? There's the story of a boy who was on a beach, and there's this old man who comes walking along the beach, and he sees thousands of starfish everywhere, all over the beach. There's been a big storm, and it's washed them up. And the boy starts throwing starfish back, and the old man sees the boy, and the boy is just dripping sweat. And the old man goes, what are you doing? Like, there's no way you're going to throw all these starfish in. It, it, it doesn't even matter. He goes, he throws one more, and he looks at the old man, and he says, it matters for that one. Right? There's something about perseverance. When we see it, we know it. When we see the perseverance, man, it just brings for us this idea of something greater can happen. There's something that happens in us. It's this idea that what would happen if in the middle of radical uncertainty, we as God's people lived with perseverance. We offered hope to the world around us. A stability, a peace instead of fear. Right? We trusted God with our day, this day. We have enough faith for even here and now. That when you look on social media, or you look at our conversations at our workplaces, or we talk to our kids, man, we just, we're good. We've got faith and hope, and we have a peace because we know that perseverance is fine. Because we know that from our suffering, we can find perseverance. And the next thing is this, that from our perseverance, it produces character. Now, we all know when we've met someone who has character. The Greek word here is the same idea that the character that's produced from this suffering to perseverance that produces character. The same idea here is this, that it's been forged in fire. Like think about the way stuff is refined. Think about the way metal is kind of, metal can be melted and shaped in new ways. And so it's stronger on the other side than when it's before, right? This is, this is what refining by fire looks like. And so what Paul is trying to say is this, if you'll let your suffering lead you to perseverance and your perseverance produce character, your character will be forged in fire. It'll be greater than you ever thought possible. And when you hear about someone who is, who's living with that kind of character, who's been forged in difficult circumstances, we often see it like when we watch the Olympics or some kind of thing about the backstories of people. They're always the ones that we want to know about. And here's the reality for us, that when we see that kind of character, it produces in us hope. And so character produces hope. And here's why we as the people of God live with hope. It's because what Paul writes next, he says this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, we were living in such a way that we were far from God. He still died for us because he cared for us enough and that mattered. And he moved heaven and earth and said, listen, there is no place you can go. There is nothing you can do in which my love is not sufficient for you. There is nowhere you can have gone that I won't be near to you. So maybe these words are helpful for us because I, I mentioned these even last week if you go back and listen online. But, but, but we think it's really important that this is something we understand. Too often we think we have to get our life together before we come to know Jesus. And Jesus says the exact opposite of that. He says this, we do not have to get our life together before we come to know Jesus. When we come to know Jesus, he begins to help us get our life together. 
man, you and I are not capable on our own. See, we are powerless to be freed from sin and death and brokenness. You think I'm wrong on that? There's a reason why we're watching this online, because we know that life is finite. It is short. We know life is fragile, and it matters, and we care for each other, and we know that how quickly things can change. You don't believe me? I guarantee if you ask some of the people who just have contacted this virus that has ended their life or they've been close to death, you think they didn't reevaluate their priorities in their life? But if we come to know Jesus, then we recognize that suffering is a perseverance, perseverance to character and character hope. And because of the hope of the resurrected Jesus that sets us right and puts us in right relationship with God and with other people, because of that, we don't have to hoard the toilet paper or the hand sanitizer or buy everything off the shelves because we're freaking out. We can go in and buy our one or two things we need and trust that God will provide enough. There's a reality for us. There's hope in this for us. It's for us the reason we recognize these words, while we were still sinners. In other words, before we got our lives right, before God began to work in us, while we were still far from God, he comes and says, hey, do you, do you not get it? I love you. You, as you are, right now, I love you, but I love you so much I won't leave you there. And this is what I'd say is because of this, that God loves us as we are, where we are, and in his love, he doesn't leave us there. God loves us as we are, where we are. And in his love, he doesn't leave us there. So then Paul writes this idea that we are reconciled to God. In other words, the relationship is restored. The relationship is made right. And then Paul, in other places, we find that we're called to be in right relationship with others. We're to reconcile to others because God is reconciling the whole world to himself. So in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of what seems to be so broken, God is saying this, don't you recognize in the middle of this, I am still with you. In the middle of suffering, trust me. Persevere with me. Let your character grow in this. And then find hope that the one who raised Christ from the dead is the same one who wants to know you and be with you. And so God promises his spirit in the middle of uncertainty, his presence, his love, his faithfulness. And so the call is not to be afraid in suffering or to live fearful. The call is that in our suffering and maybe even in our fear, that let that lead us to perseverance and that perseverance to character and that character to hope. And God's hope does not disappoint. So here's my invitation today. Will you trust your life, your present reality, and your future to God. And in his love, seen in his son, Jesus. That's the invitation today. That's the hope for you and I. And so we're going to sing one more song in just a moment about being at the cross. Because the reality for us is it's at the cross where Christ lays down his life for us. In which we have opportunity to lay our, down, our life down as well. And he'll say to us, do you want to know me? Do you know my love? Do you know this new thing I can do in and through you? And so you pray with me as we pray to sing one last song together. Father, we thank you for the way you come near to us. For the way which suffering leads to perseverance. That perseverance leads to character. And character leads to hope. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and helps us to know your love and your grace and your peace. And so Father, we pray today that as we prepare to sing these words together again. 
that at the cross we'd see the reality of your love poured out for us, but also we would live as a people who respond to our community in love and compassion and graciousness. And may we recognize even in our moments of suffering, perseverance is on the other side. Even as we persevere that our character is being melded and molded into the image of your son. And when we find that character, we know that we have hope because of who Jesus is. And so, Father, we pray today that you'd help us to be the unique people of God who are for our community because you are for us. We pray this all in Jesus' name.